soon as I got home and then I did the school run and then I went for a run and then I was back in my jeans within three days and everyone was like oh my god you're like superwoman you're amazing and they were all praising me and really I just had a baby and my body needed to rest and that was so disordered. In this episode we'll be talking about eating disorders, family and recovery. We'll dive right into Julia Trahane's courageous story, understand how restrictions affected her, and after 40 years, she started her recovery journey. Please be sure to listen in to hear all the details. Hello, my wonderful beasties. It's Tina, your host. Welcome to The Courageous Inner Beast. In today's episode, we have Julia Trahane, who is an eating disorder recovery coach, who herself has recovered from 40 years of anorexia, orthorexia, and exercise addiction. She is now on a mission to use her own experiences, research, and knowledge to help others who want to recover and is still, you know, struggling to do so. So thank you for joining us, Julia. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much. So what is, what is your courageous story that you would like to share? Oh, goodness. So from very, very young, um, about the age of four, I was unhappy with how my body felt to me in, or how I felt that my body fitted in. There was a little girl that lived in my road who was also called Julia, and she was the same age as me, but um, everyone called her Little Julia and me Big Julia. And although I wasn't overweight and I wasn't big for my age, uh, I think I was a week older than her, which is why they called me Big Julia. But to me, it kind of felt wrong and I didn't want to be Big Julia and it felt like a bad thing. Um, and so kind of it all stemmed from there. I also had a very old fashioned father who felt that emotions and such were not ever to be shown or expressed. And so I learned very young that crying was no, showing any form of emotion was a no. And so I learned how to suppress my emotions. Um, this was greatly helped when I discovered restricting food in order to keep small, also restricted emotions. So it had the benefit of stopping me showing emotions that weren't acceptable and also keeping me small and therefore keeping me not noticeable as well. Um, this carried on through my teenage years, um, lots of jumpers and hiding away. Um, I kind of got a little bit better in my early 20s when I met my husband and I felt safer and more accepted. Um, and then I had children one of my children had anaphylaxis to egg, which is in oh, everything, so many things. <laughs> and um, so I became very, very obsessed with what was in the food because I had to avoid egg because it was life threatening to him. Yeah. So he can't eat um, eggs at all? Well, actually, he can now, but he couldn't then. No, not at all. Um, he would go into anaphylactic shock and stop breathing. It was it was a life threatening allergy. Oh, wow. <laughs> That is, wait, so how did he, wait, wait, through medications or how is he able to do it now? I'm just curious on that. 
Um, he's well, he's an adult now, and he yeah. was put on a drug trial at very young. Um, okay, and he eventually grew out of it, which a lot of people do apparently, which is super lucky. Um, but it was very scary at the time, and I became so obsessed with what we were eating that my eating disorder kind of came back full force. The anorexia came back and was also um, together with orthorexia, which is eating very, very clean foods that are unprocessed, organic, um, all cooked from scratch. I was making my own sourdough bread from scratch, making my own yogurt from scratch. And everything. <laughs> literally everything, spending oh. hours and hours and hours in the kitchen. <laughs> Um, and then I discovered, well, then I had my third child. Yeah. And when I had him, I remember bringing him back from the hospital. I had him at like nine o'clock in the morning. I was home by lunchtime. I went out, walked the dogs as soon as I got home. And then I did the school run. And then I went for a run. And then I was back in my jeans within three days. And everyone was like, oh, my God, you're like superwoman. You're amazing. And they were all praising oh. me. And really, I just had a baby and my body needed to rest. And that was so disordered. Yeah. Such, so hard on my body. And I just kind of carried on in that vein, exercising madly every day, eating rarely and very clean and organic foods that I'd prepared. I couldn't eat something somebody else had prepared or anything processed. Yeah. Um, and that just kind of carried on and carried on. And then I discovered intermittent fasting, which is the most fabulous excuse for someone with an eating disorder to simply not eat. Mm -hmm. And then I discovered keto so I could eliminate another entire food group. <laughs> oh, my God. That just keeps like... <laughs> things you could do to like increase yeah so um yeah I just I was existing I wasn't living at all I was just like on this kind of crazy mm -hmm. autopilot where I was living off stress hormones and very little else and during lockdown my father actually died and all those buried emotions from my childhood started to resurface. And I didn't know, I'd never dealt with emotions. I'd never processed them. I had no idea how. All I'd ever done was restrict to numb them. So that's what I did and it didn't work. So I restricted more and it didn't work. Mm until I was so weak I was banned from the gym because I kept passing out and um my friends were all like you're really sick you are really really sick um you've got to get help and I eventually got to the point where I couldn't see any point in carrying on couldn't couldn't see any reason to stay alive at all I just I thought I'd gone mad yeah. I, my head was spinning out of control. I felt like I'd unraveled. I had no idea how to deal with all the stuff that was going on in my head. And all my coping mechanisms, which was basically restricting, weren't working. So I got everything together to take my life. And just as I was about to do it, some something in me, some spark said, you can't do this to your children you can't leave them that legacy. 
And thankfully, I didn't. And I reached out and I got help and I started recovery. And it's the hardest thing I've ever done and the best thing I've ever done. And I've discovered that I missed so much life, I had no idea I was just existing. And that in numbing all those emotions, I also numbed all the good stuff. And life's actually pretty incredible. Um, so now I try and help other people become free from the prison of an eating disorder. And that's kind of my story, really. How does it with there for a moment? <laughs> it's it's like and you just recent that your dad um for first thank you for sharing your story julia it's it's so moving and i i don't know like don't know how to, like i'm can't see it but i'm like i'm feeling tearing up of it because <laughs> just, you know having those moments where you had the there was that that's if that spark didn't come in that moment for you yeah yeah i wouldn't be here yeah and you know it's it's like a light switch you just it just you don't know and then when it comes you're like oh it's telling you not to be like it's telling you be here this is where you don't have to exist anymore you can live your life yes you know and oh, that's such great strength because covid just happened three years ago so like, you're literally, your journey has just recently started. It just, oh, yes. Ew. Well, one thing I discovered um, yeah. is that when you are malnourished, your brain can't actually think rationally. It's, yeah. it's impossible. It doesn't function properly because you're in survival mode. And so I didn't know I wasn't functioning properly. Mm. Um, and so when I went into recovery, because I'd hit, such a low and gone to literally rock bottom yeah. I threw myself in and I just did whatever it takes and I have my own recovery coach who is just the most incredible woman in the world and I just did every single thing she said and she just supported me all through it and taught me how to love myself oh that's so great wait did she also helped you like so how did you handle did you learn it also during um with your recovery coach of how to handle your emotions when so yes. the emotions that, you, that were numb for so long how yeah. did you handle that eventually after um, after having it resurface out of yeah. nowhere and now you're like um how did I do this <laughs> I discovered or she she taught me that actually you've got to feel them mm. you can't keep running away or trying to bury them yeah. And it's only when you turn around and face the fear and face the emotions that when you face it, the fear turns into courage. Yeah. And when you actually feel the emotions, it's not as scary as you thought it was going to be when you were running from it. Yeah. What kind of fears were you, um, well, well, what fears were you feeling that were, you've been numbing for so long? I suppose the biggest one that it all boils down to was that I wasn't good enough and that I'd never been good enough and I was scared to be seen. 
So I tried to stay small, to stay unseen because I wasn't good enough. Um, And that's just, (laughs) I'm not angry and I don't bear any blame to my parents or my dad for this because they did the best they could with the knowledge they had. Yes. Um, But the traditional upbringing, uh, my my dad was a very critical person and that's, kind of what led me to believe I wasn't good enough because I was criticized a lot um but he just was doing the best he knew he wasn't setting out to hurt me he wasn't like an abusive man or anything yeah just yeah how I portrayed it (laughs) um any parent is still human and is doing their best yeah yeah so I understand that yeah (laughs) so yeah but yeah feeling sorry carry on Oh, no, go ahead. (laughs) As to say, feeling the feelings and actually just being with them and learning that I I didn't even know that you could treat yourself nicely, that the inner bitch voice wasn't who you were. I, I had no idea. I just thought that was how I was. And I didn't know you could speak nicely to yourself and be compassionate to yourself. And so when my coach Victoria taught me how to do that and how to just sit with the feelings and just give myself compassion while I was feeling them it really was the beginning of learning how to learn how to love myself and how to know that I actually was good enough and that everybody is good enough that's good I was wondering (laughs) do you have any examples that you would say to yourself that um love yourself compassion like certain phrases or certain things that makes you feel good like you can love yourself okay um i said an example of say you do something wrong even if it's an accident like you spill a glass of milk or something so my automatic reaction would have been oh, you stupid idiot, you're so useless. Oh, it's typical, isn't it? You're rubbish, you always do stupid stuff like that. And now I would say to myself, it's okay, sweetheart, you're human. You're not perfect, you can't be perfect. Everyone has accidents, it's okay. And that feels a whole lot nicer. It definitely is. Like, you're okay, you're human. Like you said, you're human, we're not be perfect. And so, yeah, oh, that's so great. And um, has how has like I'm curious too. How how has external validation affect you with you know the diet culture and like and everything <sighs> around eating disorders? How did how's that has happened for you? Oh, it affected me so much because I had no self-worth yeah and I didn't believe I was good enough when any ever anybody told me I'd done something well or complimented me I kind of grasped hold of that and that made me feel good and that was how what I used to make me feel good Mm -hmm. Um, and so because I was always thin and always muscular and always busy and always working out like a crazy person and making I mean, people thought I was incredible for making all this homemade food all the time and being so healthy and being so 
able to say no to the cakes and stuff all the time. And so because that's what diet culture and the beauty industry teach you is good, people would be like, oh, you're so strong. That's amazing. Oh, I don't know how you do it. You're incredible. And so I got so much validation for being ill, um, which yeah. made me not even think I was ill, to be honest. They made me think, it made me think that what I was doing was right. Um, so yeah, it, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, you're externally, you don't know, everyone doesn't know how you're feeling. So it's like, oh, you're mm-hmm. getting so, you're, you're getting so thin, you're getting so strong, but really, yeah. you, you don't see me right now. <laughs> so, yeah, and especially this, the comments yeah. about your body, um, like com- like validating the, the being so thin and oh it's amazing how well you can keep your figure and oh you look so brilliant you're so thin and it really you should never comment on somebody's body because you don't know what's behind it you could be validating an eating disorder or if you say oh you're looking well then somebody could immediately think well that means I've put on weight, that means you're saying I'm fat. And you could actually really ruin somebody's recovery by saying comments like that. It's much better to say, wow, your smile really lights up your eyes. Yeah. Or yeah. that was such a kind thing you did then. Yeah. No, it's it resonates with me because sometimes I've always been thin, but I think that there's just like some spectrum of why I've you know, been rigorously trying to stay where I am and not be as over a certain way because there's so many external validation around from my circle. Like, oh, Tina, you look so good. Or like, it was like, oh, your waist is kind of smaller now. It's like, or like family members, especially in my culture, everyone's like, oh, Tina, you look like you look so thin. You should eat more. And or like the other way around, it's like, oh, Tina, your face looks kind of round. It's like, you should eat less. And then. <laughs> You know, it's the constant, the constant um, just comments of within the family spectrum of everyone's just just sharing their thoughts. You know, yeah. and those could really affect you if if it was you know they don't know they don't know what's really and really going on. you're yeah. so much more than your body. Yes, women are brought up to believe that what they look like is the most important thing about them. And that's rubbish. It's absolutely rubbish. We're so much more than what we look like. Yeah. yeah. So much more than the looks. Because we're so very intelligent more. people. So yeah. And so it's it's like I laugh about it, but it really is also like it's it's so heartbreaking at the same time too but then hearing your story of how you're recovering now and you know wanting to help others too it's it's inspiring and what have so I'm curious of so what so far what have you done to help others and also helping yourself in this regard so yeah I know you are are, you are currently with a recovery coach I have my own coach, um, but I'm also doing recovery coaching um, and 
trying to raise as much awareness as well to particularly older women who've been trapped in an eating disorder for many, many years, like I was, and they think that it's too late for them to recover and that there's no point now and that this is, they've lived like this forever, they can't change anymore. But that's not true. And recovery is so worth it. I've, I've never met anybody that has regretted recovering from an eating disorder ever. Yeah. And so, yeah, I support, do one-to-one support for other women to help them through the recovery process because it is hard. It's really hard, um, but so worth it. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. That's amazing. And how long, okay, how long have you um, been a recovery coach too? Um, it's quite recent. Uh, obviously, I had to get to a point in my own recovery where I'm, stable and yes really on like a really stable footing and know that I'm not going to like relapse back um but actually coaching really helps that because you see people who are where you were and that reminds you so much why you don't want to be there anymore (laughs) um so I've been coaching for almost three months now so awesome it's still pretty awesome. That's so great. <laughs> it's just the most incredibly rewarding thing ever. Mm-hmm. It's so good that you decided to go down this route. No, it's the exact same feeling. It's like you don't want someone to go the same path as you did. So you're helping them to stay off that path. <laughs> right? Yes. But also just, I just had no idea how nice nice isn't even the best word how amazing life can be when you feel all the feelings yeah I've never laughed as much or felt so much happiness my relationships with other people are incredible Mm. my relationship with myself is a million times better I feel like I'm valued and I have value and I never felt any of those things before yeah and so just for that, just for the actual chance to live a full life and have the full life experiences, even the sadness. I mean, I didn't cry for 40 years. So when I started crying, I didn't stop for quite some time. But (laughs) even the sadness and feeling the tears, the actual ability to feel is incredible. Yeah. So it's just, I just want other people to feel the feelings and to live the life and not exist in some kind of zombie like half life, like just like a functioning person rather than a living person. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. That makes sense. So just to kind of nearing the end, what is your favorite quote that you would like our audience to take away from? I guess because you, when you're living in an eating disorder, you're living in fear of everything all the time. So I guess it's when you turn and face the fear, it becomes courage. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing, Julia. Um, how how can our listeners support you and your work? 
Um, they can find me on my website, which is juliatrahane.com or on Instagram, which is at juliatrahane. And I also have my own podcast, which is called Fly to Freedom and is on all the normal platforms. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And I'd, I'd love to connect with people. Awesome. I'll let, um, thank you. And thank you, Julia, for coming in and joining us joining us today. I really appreciate it a lot. Thank you so oh, much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's just so lovely to share my story and raise awareness. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. And if you enjoy this podcast, please hit the follow button wherever you're listening. And look for new episodes every Tuesday on The Courageous Inner Peace. Thank you for listening in. If you enjoy our conversation and would like to get connected with Julia Trahane, please look in the description to get connected and for the links.